Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. To greatly paraphrase one of Benjamin Franklin's perceptive quotes, nothing is certain except death and taxes and Pink's hot dogs. Yes, Pink's hot dogs are part of the Los Angeles landscape since 1939. It was founded by Betty and Paul Pink with a $50 loan from Betty's mother. I wasn't around in 1939, but I have fond memories of swinging by Pink's after a date for a late-night snack of two hot dogs and a black cherry soda. The hot dogs were 50 cents then. Now, there are more, but whenever I visit Los Angeles, I stop by Pink's for my usual. Well, my guest is Richard Pink. He, along with his wife Gloria and sister Beverly, own Pink's today. For everything about Pink's, including additional locations in and out of California, go to pinkshollywood.com and you can follow them on Facebook and Twitter and other social media platforms. And Richard, welcome to the show. Great to be here with you, Ira. I loved your intro, and I love the fact you said that Pink's will always be there. That's uh, and, and the one other thing people often say is, Pink's line will always be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, true. <laughs> someone once said, oh, oh God, please let me get to the end of the line before I die. You know, <laughs> so our lines can be long because people love hot dogs and they love lining up. And it's a real party at Pink's all the time. Well, I think of the line as something beyond what you think of the line. I think of the line in front of Pink's as what we used to call the melting pot in America. All kinds of people from all walks of life stand in, in line to order. And they get, you know, interact with each other and it's part of this shared experience. And that's something you don't see too often anymore. Well, that's right. I mean, I have to say that every once in a while, someone will come by Pink's and say, you know, we're celebrating our anniversary at Pink's. I said, why is that? They said, because we met in line at Pink's. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the most certain things you get is that, you know, people don't want to move. So if you're in line next to somebody that you want to get acquainted with, they strike up a conversation and every once in a while leads to a proposal. In fact, Demi Moore was proposed marriage by Bruce Willis in line at Pink's. You should actually do a survey, Richard, and find out how many people met and ended up marrying by being in line. I think that would be a great promotion where you just have them fill out a form and verify that that's what happened. And I think that would be a great idea. I think that's a terrific idea. Every time I run into someone, says, can we take our picture with you because we're celebrating our anniversary because we met in line at Pink. I'm going <laughs> to find out the name and maybe we'll have a giant reunion of everybody that has been proposed marriage in line at Pink. Now, when Betty and Paul, your parents, retired, did they assume that you were going to take over the business, you and Gloria and your sister Beverly? Did they assume that that was going to happen, or did you volunteer to do it, or how did that happen, that transition? Well, what had happened is that my parents, as they got into their 80s, they realized that Pink's was just too hard for them to run with all the employees, all the ordering issues, all the usual management issues that come up in, in running a restaurant. And Gloria had been teaching, actually, with your mother, believe it or not. Uh, yes, a small uh, world. English, I know, it's incredible. Uh, English is a second language for 14 years. And she was looking to do something new. And my parents said, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with the future of Pinks. And Gloria volunteered and said, I'll tell you what, I will leave teaching if I can come into the family business. And they welcomed her in. They loved her. and. 
did all the you know the time we were married. And Gloria took over and reported to my mother and father and and to me and had the right attitude for getting along a family business where it seems everybody has an opinion. And uh, <laughs> Gloria did great. And she got us uh, into, you know, marketing of pinks, started a Chili Dogs for Charity campaign every time we had an anniversary, got us into catering. She looked to me to develop the, uh, the menu much broader than what my parents had. If they wanted to keep things simple, which is a hot dog and a burger and a tamale on the menu. But when I got involved, I said, you know, there's so many things I would like to add to that menu. And this is a story of how we grew from, you know, just a couple of things on the menu to today we have over 40 varieties of hot dogs and 12 varieties of burgers on the menu. So I never want a customer to get bored. And every once in a while, I will come to Pink's and someone, and it might very well be a lady, and she will say, I'm on number 32. And I said, what do you mean we don't have a number 32? She will say, oh, yes, you do. I'm on my way to number 40. Oh, my God. Am I going to set some kind of record? I said, listen, the one person that has the all-time record for the most hot dogs consumed at one sitting, that's Orson Welles. He ate 18 chili dogs at one sitting, and my dad counted them. And he kept telling him, Orson, you're going to get fat. Orson didn't care. No, I think it's because he already was fat. So that's probably had something to do with it. (laughs) I'm going to ask in an elegant way, the appeal of pinks from the point of view of practicality or reputation. In other words, is the is it the mustard or the mystique that accounts for the popularity of that hot dog stand? I think that pinks, first of all, okay, so pinks was founded in 1939, and I think people say anything that's family-owned and operated for that long a period of time, that is a big wow. The fact that we have 40 varieties of hot dogs on the menu, so whatever you like, whether it's chili or guacamole or coleslaw or pastrami or bacon, people go, wow, I love the menu. Then, you know, the -the over-the-counter service is just, it's so old-fashioned. You know, you can smell the hot dogs. You can see them being made. It's the true original open kitchen. People go, wow. And then they say, well, how long have the people been working here? And they said, well, I've been coming here for 30 years, and he's still here. (laughs) So we have employees that have been working here for 30 years or so, and they go, wow. And then all the photographs that you can take and all the memories, there's so many wows that are associated with pinks. It's hard to say, oh, it's the chili or it's the mustard or it's the snap of the dot or it's the look of the place. It's the whole gestalt. It's the whole combination of so many wonderful things that happen at Pink's, and that's why people line up, because it is so unique. It's one of a kind. I want to talk a little bit about, do you have the business side of Pink's you mentioned, and then there's what I call the historical cultural side, which goes to what you were just talking about. Is it hard to separate the two? Because it is a business, right? As you said, Gloria stepped in, and you're dealing with hiring personnel, you're dealing with ordering, you're dealing with all kinds of stuff on the business side. And on the historical cultural side, there are so many times that people are connected to Pink's through movies, television, personal experiences, meeting in line, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you separate those two or can you? Well, a business is a business. I mean, you know, you got revenue, you got expenses, you got to make sure you're making a profit. You got to make sure that your employees 
are being paid properly. I mean, we're probably one of the few businesses anywhere to bonus our employees every weekend. We want to make sure that they feel appreciated and also that they give back to our customers by always being friendly because they know if they're friendly, they'll have repeat customers. But this is definitely a business. There's no question about it. And you, you have to treat it appropriately to make sure that you are following your revenue and you are doing your marketing, you're doing your advertising, and you're doing everything else that a business has to do to continue to survive. Then on the cultural side, I mean, the city of L.A. was so proud to have a small business thrive in their city that they actually designated the intersection where we are located as Pink Square. They said it started out as a push cart by Paul and Betty Pink, and now it's an icon in Los Angeles. And my parents started Pink with just a push cart, and they borrowed $50 from my grandmother to buy that push cart, and they got it about, they bought it, it was about two miles away from the current location. My mother wheeled it all the way up Melrose Avenue, and you know Melrose Avenue well, Ira, all the way from La Cienega to La Brea, rented the site that it's on today at that time for $15 a month, and they set up with a little sign that said, Hot Dogs 10 Cents, Cokes a Nickel. And that's how they ran Pink's for the first two years. And then in 1941, and picture that, 1941, before World War II, they... The landlord came along and said, wait a minute, I'm not charging you enough rent. He raised the rent 67% from $15 a month to $25 a month. They said, we can't afford that kind of rent. What are we going to do? Fortunately, there was a Bank of America branch across the street from Pink's, and my parents went over to him and said, can we borrow the money to buy this property? We think we can buy it. The landlord will sell and he said, well, what kind of collateral do you have? They said, we don't own anything. We have no collateral. We just have a good hot dog product. And you eat here every day for lunch. You know it's good. And the guy said, what do you need? And my parents said, we need $4,000 to buy this property. That's what land was going for in 1941 in Amazing. Los Angeles. Wow. And Bank of America loaned them that 14000 And that's how they were able to stay in business. But that cart remained from 41 to 1946 when a cousin of ours came along and said, well, I'm going into the contracting business. I want to show I can build something. Let me build you a hot dog stand for cost. My cousin built the hot dog stand that is still standing there today in 1946. And that's my parents stayed with that business all those years until my wife. And, and the family basically got involved in the 1980s to take it over and, and continue running it as a family-owned business. That story would be great for a sitcom called All in the Family. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. I think that, that, that would be great. Yeah, that whole history of it is, is amazing. And you obviously have a career in, in business separate from that as well. But the fact that the impact of Pink's, again, on a cultural level, when I, I'll include in the cultural level, appearances in movie scenes and television scenes and newspaper and magazine articles over the decades. And clearly, Gloria, when she got involved with that part of it, I know she, she was a guest on my old show when I was at the Las Vegas Hilton, or then Las Vegas Hilton, now it's called the Westgate. And she brought up the carts of hot dogs. We had the mayor of Las Vegas at the time, Oscar Goodman, and 
It just has yeah. this impact on people. So Gloria and you started to expand and Beverly started to expand the operation. So the main one clearly is Melrose and La Brea. Everybody knows that one, but there's also other areas as well. Well, the way we looked at it, we said, how can we expand and not cost us a lot of money? Because because it is family owned, the last thing we wanted to do was invest hundreds of thousands of dollars and fail. We could not bear that kind of risk. So what we had to do, we had a with a uh, expansion program that allowed us to put pinks in other locations but not invest a lot. And there's two different ways to do it. One is franchising, and the other way is licensing. And I did not really want to get involved in the whole franchise business because it, it's very legal. There's a lot of reporting requirements. There's a lot of service that is provided. I said, I did not want to do that. They said, well, then the next thing you got to do is license. Because with licensing, you don't have to provide all those extra services. You just have to provide the product. But the thing is that the person that licenses your business has to have a net worth of at least $5 million because then the government feels that they can protect themselves and they don't need to follow all these franchising rules. The next thing I said is that how do I protect the quality that we have? We don't want to get a lot of complaints from different locations that they don't like the food, and we said we would only go into business with companies that have at least 10 restaurants existing and at least 250 employees. Well, that limited how we could expand. What we decided to do was how to build the brand and how we decided to do it for charity. So we started doing chili dogs for charity, and whenever we had an anniversary, we would invite celebrities to Pink's for each night of a celebrity. So, for example, when we celebrated our 59th anniversary, we sold our chili dogs for 59 cents for 59 minutes from November 5th to November 9th, and each night we invited a different celebrity. Our thinking was television would pick that up, and the television would then broadcast us all around the region, you know, Orange County, L.A. County, and people would hear about us and we could build our brand beyond the usual five-mile radius that, you know, restaurants are known to do. Well, what happened is that where we really got lucky is cable television came in, and cable television goes national. So cable television said, well, I want to know where the celebrities dine, and, you know, we have over 200 photos of celebrities on our wall. And they said, well, let's go to Pink's because all the celebrities seem to eat there, all the way back to Orson Welles and Howard Hughes and Spencer Tracy, to all the current stars. And so they came to us, and they started filming us, and we got known around the country. And then all of a sudden, there were people started knocking on our door and saying, wait a minute, I want to have a Pink's in Las Vegas. I want to have a Pink's in Wisconsin and Miami and Hawaii. And believe it or not, a pink's in the Philippines. We've got three locations in Manila right now. And so by building the brand, people came to us that had experience in the business, had the $5 million net worth, and started to build. So we were at the Planet Hollywood Hotel for 14 years, right on the strip there, uh, licensed to the owner of the Planet Hollywood Hotel. Uh, we were at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, uh, and then we are in the various malls in Los Angeles. But I never wanted to have another Pink's closer than one hour from Pink's. I wanted Pink's 
to be the true original. So if you come to us and you want a license in Los Angeles, it has to be an hour or two hours away from here. So it does not affect the original, does not dilute the original. But you have to buy our hot dogs, our chili, our mustard, our onions. I want people to have the exact same experience as if they're eating a pizza of Graham Mellon's, even if they're in New York, even if they're in Connecticut, even if right now we just opened in Wisconsin. That's been the strategy. Build the brand, license to experience people, and serve the same product. Because you're licensing rather than franchising, uh, and the basic agreement is that you're providing, you have to, they have to get the product from you. Does that also yeah. include some minimal training as well so they know how to present it, how to make it and present it to the customer in these other locations? Absolutely. I have three trainers that fly off to these locations and help them open and then visit them every year to make sure they're maintaining the same quality and using the same preparation. But one of the keys was that I only wanted to work with somebody experienced because I did not want to have a, any startups or any of that. What I wanted were chefs or owners that appreciated that if you follow a formula, it will work. And they didn't fight me on it. And I didn't want them to fight me on the kind of mustard or the kind of onions that they realized they had to follow our exact specifications. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it's been successful as a result. Is it hard for you and the family to maintain because it's been so many decades, let alone years, but decades, is it hard to maintain the consistent quality of each product that you have available? In other words, from your suppliers, you are very specific about what you want. Are they good about giving you what you want on an ongoing basis? The supplier that, that sold my parents hot dogs in 1939 is the same supplier of hot dogs today. The same thing is true with the chili. I said, if I'm not trying to save any money, I want to make sure that the taste that your grandfather had back in the 1950s is the taste that you, the grandson, will have in the year 2021. That's very unusual when you think about it, because what happens in American society particularly is that you have a successful brand, whether it's a canned item or some kind of fresh product. And it starts to change over time because they monkey with the formula and they think they're going to make it a little bit different to sell more or better to, quote unquote, to sell more. But your philosophy, which is counterintuitive, but actually is the right strategy, is to keep it exactly the way it was. I needed people to count on us, to depend on us, to not change what they came to love. I mean, I have 40 different hot dogs on the menu, but I will have... Customers come here, and I still will say, I'm only going to get a hot dog with mustard, onions, chili, shredded cheddar cheese, and that's it. I'm not going to compromise because when I bite into it, I know it's going to have that same sweet taste, that same spicy taste, that, that same blend of flavors that I've come to love since I was in junior high school, and here I am now a grandfather, and I want that same taste. That's what I want. And when you follow that formula, you're able to raise your prices. Now, it's a business. As minimum wages go up, as the cost of goods go up, people will pay for quality. They will pay 
to have the right experience. It's so interesting that people are willing to pay more. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, costs are going up. I, I'm not going to be able to pay the pass along the price. Customers will pay for quality. It's proven. And it's consistent quality is why they're willing to pay for it as well. They know they're going right. to get Yeah, exactly. Perfect example is me where, as I mentioned in the opening, where when I first started buying, it was 50 cents. And it doesn't really right. matter what the cost is. Things go up. But the point is, if the pleasure is still there, that's what I want. And I'm a pretty simple guy. So even though you offer 9 million different variety, okay, I exaggerate, yeah. 4 million different varieties of hot dogs and, and other food, when I get my hot dog, I'm real simple. I want simply, I don't want mustard. I want my chili and my onions, and that's it, along with a black cherry soda, and I'm fine. Great. And you can customize it, and then that becomes Ira's hot dog. And exactly. My, my staff will recognize you because they've been here so long, and they say, you don't have to tell me what you want. I know what you want. <laughs> there it is. How much is the glamour? I, I, I alluded to it earlier, Richard, the difference between the mustard and the mystique. How much different is it because of where it's located, because of the rich history of where it's located, and the standing in line, as we talked about as well, how much of that adds to the experience of eating the actual hot dog? I think it's special for people to know that 200, 300 movie stars, singers, comedians, actors, it kind of adds to the also a lot of people come in from around the country and they say you know LA Hollywood is all about movie stars I want to know where they eat but I don't want to know where they eat fancy I want to know where they bring their kids and they sit down and they have a casual meal out in the back patio and so forth I think a lot of tourists come into LA and they want to know where where was it in that movie that where was it in Mulholland Drive where they went, oh, yeah, it was Pink's. we got to go to Pink's. we got to do that, you know? That's the sort of excitement that a lot of people have. But, you know, when they're waiting for their food and they can take pictures of, uh, uh, you know, with movie stars standing behind them, and, and they've actually dined there because all of our pictures are all inscribed. Love your dogs, you know? How can anything be so wrong and get so right? You know, I think that's what James Corden put on his picture. What's your favorite celebrity story that either you experienced or Gloria did or Beverly did? What's your favorite celebrity story involving pigs? Michelle Obama, hands down. Gloria and Beverly were out in the back patio. A guy came up to him and said, you're going to have a very famous person coming here. And, and the guy was just dressed in a Tommy Bahama shirt and short. Gloria said, well, what do you mean a famous person? And he took out his wallet and he showed her his badge. He says, I'm with the Secret Service and you're going to have a person come here and dine. And Gloria said, well, who is it? And he said, I can't tell you who it is, but I can tell you that if you live on this planet Earth, you will know who it is. And about 20 minutes later, three Escalades show up in our alley and out steps Michelle Obama her two children and her mother, and they come walking up into the patio area, and we are flabbergasted. Michelle Obama and her kids are eating at Pink's, and I want to tell you, she sat down at the table out in the patio, and Gloria handed her a menu, 
And uh, she picked out that not only did she pick out what she wanted, but she moved some of the toppings around, which is just how showed how smart she was to figure out the menu so fast. Gloria and Beverly ran into paints, had the staff make up the hot dogs, bring it out to Michelle and Sasha and, and Malia and her mother, and they ate their hot dogs. And, and then when they went to leave, everybody, the place was packed. Everybody stood up and applauded. That, to me, I, I mean, what an honor to have the president's wife during his presidency dining at Pink's. And she said, love it, I'll be back. <laughs> it was great. And I'm assuming that Gloria had, of course, a camera nearby to take a couple of pictures. Oh, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> but that was just a shocker. And, I, I, you know, we've had... You know, Tom Hanks here, and we've had all these great stars, and they're great. I mean, one day we're out in the back, and we're actually similar to this with you, Ira. We were being filmed, actually, for CNN, you know, a story about, you know, older restaurants in Los Angeles and so forth. And they said, hey, do celebrities really dine here, or is that a hype? And I said, well... There's Steve Martin. Why don't you go up and ask him? <laughs> and another time, and another time, somebody was you know filming and they kind of asked the same question. And I said, "Well, wait a minute. There's Cuba Gooding. He's in line." So Cuba Gooding, we said, "Mr. Gooding, would you come out of line and take a picture with us?" And he said, "Yeah, but I don't want to lose my place in line." <laughs> And, and, and we said, well, what's the occasion while you're here? Since it's my birthday. I think you're celebrating your birthday alone. And then we got a great photograph of him holding up a hot dog like it was a trophy. <laughs> great stories. And there's, there's a million more. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to write a book along with Gloria okay. and Beverly, I think. Right. Last, right. last question. Future of Pinks. The future of Pinks is still to be written. It'll be family. It'll be... A new operator, we will figure it out. It is a business, and that we, you know, Gloria, Beverly, myself, we've dedicated our life, our passion to Pinks, and we've got to make sure the next person that comes along has that same passion, okay? Because we want the quality to always be there, but it, it, takes, it takes commitment, dedication, and passion to make it happen. It isn't just that. We, we realize we're part of the culture of L.A., and we don't want to disappoint Los Angeles by letting it get run down. So we've got to keep it, follow, and we've got to have the succession plan with somebody that knows what they're doing. But it's still to be written, Ira. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Richard Pink, who, along with his wife, Gloria, and sister Beverly, own Pink's Hot Dogs in Los Angeles. For everything about Pink's, including additional locations in and out of California, go to pinkshollywood.com, and you can follow them on Facebook and Twitter and other social media platforms. Richard, thanks for being on the show. You are a terrific interviewer. I love your show, and best of luck to you with everything bagel. Thank you, and join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.